podcast is part of the Sports Social Podcast Network. Thanks for choosing this free Anfield Index podcast. If you'd prefer to listen to this or any of our other shows without adverts, then now's the time to check out Anfield Index Pro. With AI Pro, you can supercharge your entire listening experience. You'll not only get all of our podcasts without the ads, but you'll have them far faster with our quick publish feature available exclusively for subscribers. AI Pro also puts you in the heart of our sound studio with an option to listen to many of our shows live and interact with the podcasters in real time as the shows are recording. Upgrading couldn't be easier. AI Pro is available on all popular podcast platforms and we have our own apps for Apple and Android. Just head on over to AnfieldIndexPro.com and get started today. Hello, everybody. Welcome to the Positivity Podcast on Anfield Index. My name is Matt McElroy, and I will be your moderator for today's discussion. I am joined by Lubo Murkoff and Paul Jenkins. Lubo, how are you doing? I'm good. I'm good. I just realized that Gags has taken away all privileges and rights that I had on Discord. Uh, I think uh, the, the, this, he's trying to prevent that coup that I have been promising for a while here. But uh, it is still happening, Gags. It is still happening. Good luck with that, Lubo. <laughs> and Paul, how are you doing? <laughs> I am doing superb. It's really weird. Every time we do a positivity podcast, the sun is shining in Northern Ireland. Literally, this whole week, it has been dull and overcast, and there's been rain, and I tried to cut the lawn yesterday, and it was pouring out of the heavens at times. We come to do the podcast and it is like 22 degrees and it's roasting. So, yeah, I'm doing very well tonight. I've just had <clears throat> um, a, a nice rack of ribs um, and I've had a really good day with that, smoking some meat. So, um, yes, I am in top positive form tonight. Awesome. Sounds like a good place to be in. And, you know, here in Seattle, it is finally not raining and we're doing a podcast. Mm. The sun is about... The sun is about to come out. The marine layer is burning off. It's going to be a beautiful day. Uh, and, you know, oh, today uh, on, on the podcast, we have a, a very special guest uh, joining us. Uh, yes, uh, Justin Wells is the host of the U.S. podcast on Anfield Index and the chairperson of LFC New York. Welcome, Justin. How are you doing today? Doing great. It's a, it's a really nice uh, day out here in New York. So uh, I'm going to try to get outside for a little bit after this, but uh, really excited to... Uh, you know, talk about Liverpool Football Club, uh, a really good team, not have it devolve into David Bloom. Yes, fantastic. We're happy to have you. Uh, so before we get started on our discussion, uh, I want to remind everyone that we are once again uh, recording live on AI Discord. If you are listening along and you have questions as we go, just <coughs> go, go ahead and pop them in the chat and tag me. Uh, so as we go to our opening question, Lubo has asked, how is everybody's summer going? Uh, Paul, how is your summer? Yeah, my summer has been uh, grand. It's good. Um, so we're in the process of trying to uh, we're trying to buy our house, um, which is uh, a fun activity. So we had uh, summer holidays booked, and we actually had to cancel them. <laughs> um, but that's no bad thing because we've been uh, obviously trying to put plans in place to buy this place. So then that's that's a positive uh, positive angle on not getting away anywhere. Um, and as I say, it's been raining for the past wee while, so it's not really a not really a big issue. But yeah, summer has been good so far, um, and work has been crazy. So I can't really complain. Life is good. That sounds really good. Um, 
and, and good luck with uh, the house purchase. So, um, Thank you. Justin, how has your summer, summer been so far? It's been really good. Um, you know, I've gotten my fair share of going to uh, baseball games, which is the other thing that I love, you know, besides watching, watching, watching Liverpool. Um, my wife and I actually just planned, you know, a, a weekend getaway for next month, going to Charleston, South Carolina, a place I've never been, but I've heard it's very nice. And uh, also just actually getting the season plan for uh, LFCNY. We're really trying to get everything together so we can launch our season's membership ahead of the community field and make sure that, you know, we're, we're ready for the season to come because I think that there's going to be so, so many games. The schedule is going to be relentless. And that takes a lot of work. But, you know, it, it, it's work I enjoy doing. Yeah, so what all are you planning in terms of uh, what's going on there with LFCNY? So membership launch, one of the, the way in which it's going to work for us is typically it's about getting that year's member T-shirt, uh, member cards, and member pins printed and so that we can start actually just ensuring that the members who sign up and pay get, get you know, the merch out of it. And then just working with our partner bars to make sure that they're all ready for the season to come. Uh, going to try to get a, uh, uh, you know, rotation of people going to all of our partner bars and not just 11th Street for the first few games of the season to try to make sure that we, you know, show our face and do in-person signups there as well. So it's just a lot of logistics around that. And also, uh, you know, more boringly, we are also trying to migrate websites and web server hosts. So there's just some, some technology project management that's also happening on my end of this. But it's mainly around just, you know, making sure that we're trying to get everything in place to give people who go to our partner bars the you know the best atmosphere they could have on a on a match day, um, and that's really that's what it's really about building that you know building that community and just doing the groundwork to make sure that it has uh, places to go. Yeah, I mean that sounds like a good uh, good amount of work to create community and connections within the the local uh, area there in New York. It is, uh, and so, you know we have a, we have a really great yeah, team of people who volunteer really great to volunteer as well too and you know it's it's a volunteer job but at the same time you know you can always control the kind of communities you build and you can make them really fun positive and inclusive it's just you have to try it yeah so if you are in the new york area you should definitely check out the ny group uh and so lubo how, how has your summer been my summer's been actually crazy with travel. So it started from uh, right before the, the, the last game against Wolves. I was in Berlin and Liverpool. And since then, it feels like every other week I've been traveling for, for business. And um, I have more plans uh, at the end of the month to fly to the West Coast. So fr- from that perspective, it's, it's, been, um, it's been good. Uh, I, I, I've actually realized how much I missed traveling. Uh, maybe just uh, the antidote to the pandemic. And then the other thing that I, I, I mentioned earlier, but I started CrossFitting again. And this, this is the first week since the pandemic started that, <laughs> that I've gone. And oh, it's, been, it's been brutal. But I feel I'm almost, I've almost pushed all the lactate out of my muscles. So hopefully next week is a little bit, uh, is a little bit more enjoyable. So, so is this your first uh, rounds of travel since the, the pandemic? Yeah, basically, yeah. I started in mid-May uh, and then all through June, and it's going to continue in July and a little bit in August as well. Um, but yeah, it's uh, it's it's since the pandemic started, and and it's I've I've enjoyed it. I used to travel a lot for uh, previous mm-hmm. jobs, and 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 
for a while I hated uh, the the plane thing because I just got done so much of it. But now it's uh, it's back it's back to normal. It feels and and I'm enjoying it. And, and I'm actually getting that that what is that called the TSA pass or is it the global pass? Just because global I'm entry. Sick, yeah yeah global entry because I'm sick and tired of the the long security lines at Newark Airport. So finally I'm just gonna pay eighty bucks and I need to go and. <laughs> I get get the passport verified and the background check, whatever they need to do, just so I can actually get through the gate a little bit faster. But uh, yeah, ado- otherwise, it's been good. Yeah, I've had global entry for uh, some years, and it's it's definitely the way to go. Uh, the process isn't too bad, uh, you know. No. Yeah, yeah. Uh, and like speaking of travel, like this week was the first time I'd been on a plane in two and a half years, so that was. Uh, sort of a, a different experience, sort of a reminder of what life used to be like when I used to travel places. And, you know, we went to Alaska for a, a fishing trip, and that that was a lot of fun and a, a good way to, to start the summer out. Uh, so after three days, I think we caught about, like our, our boat caught about 400 pounds of fish, and we got to bring home about 150 pounds, completely filled up the freezer. So now I'm looking forward to having fish for the next year or so. <laughs> that is crazy. 150 pounds of fish. That's a lot. Yes. But. And like the, for the most part, the, the seas and the weather were, were calm and, and good and just had, had a really good experience. You know, this is my, my first time ever going fishing. And so uh, to have that kind of a, a haul and getting such a, a good, good variety of fish was, was quite, uh, quite exciting. You you really didn't dip your toe in the water there. You uh, you kind of you, you dove in head first. Yeah, like, <laughs> there's no reason to like you know go for something uh, easy. You just gotta go to where all the fish is, and um, you can um, have a have a good time. <laughs> you make it sound so easy there, Matt. You know, just, any fishers Dude, who are listening, I mean, so. Just, just go to where the fish are. That's it's easy. <laughs> I mean, so like the thing about Alaska is they they catch like five million pounds of fish or five like some crazy amount of fish. So uh, it, it since it's like the fishing season, it just seems like <laughs> like in looking around where we were, there's all these boats and just like every person who's like on one of those boats with a fishing pole is pulling a fish out like once every like half an hour or so. And so it's just like hard, hard not to catch a fish. Mm-hmm. So uh, I think that's a, a good point for us to, to go into our uh, discussion of Liverpool. Uh, and let's, let's look at uh, what the, the player trading has been so far since we last talked to you a month ago. Uh, so, in incomings, Liverpool have purchased Darwin Nunez from Benfica and Calvin Ramsey from Aberdeen, as well as announcing the signing of Fabio Carvalho from Fulham. Mohamed Salah, James Milner, and Joe Gomez have all signed contract extensions to remain with the club. Uh, in outgoings, Saadi Omane has been sold to Bayern Munich, Jimmy Minamino has been sold to Monaco, and Nico Williams appears uh, to be headed to Nottingham Forest. So let's start our discussion um, with uh, with our goodbyes and talk about Saudi Omani for a little bit. So, uh, Justin, what are your favorite moments of Saudi Omani as a Liverpool player? There, there are so so many of them, but 
there's there's two that come to mind really really quickly in my head or really three actually that come to mind really quickly in my head that i think are not amongst the moments that i've really seen mentioned in the in the wider uh eulogizing over uh, or i don't even eulogizing for celebrating the celebration of Mane's career um at liverpool but the first of which is in his first season against spurs at anfield where he within you know 120 seconds of each of each of, of uh of themselves goes out and bags a brace that goes to win the match two nil and uh, you know it was just a uh, a real demonstration of how explosive a player he was and how much he could just power us and drive us to winning matches. The, the next one that really comes to mind is, is a very obvious one because it you know pokes the Blues in the in the face a bit, but it's uh, the rebound of Sturridge's shot that he turns in in his first in his first Goodison Derby to win in the ninety fourth minute and. There, there's something really funny, which is if you look at his celebration, he pauses it for a moment because he's anticipating the call, the goal being called offside. And then, you know, it's not, it's given, he wasn't offside. And it's, uh, you know, it's a super fun moment because it really pissed in Everton's curios. But then, uh, you know, <laughs> the, the other two that I think are a bit more of, a, you know, well-known ones were... In Bar- against Barca, he did so much work in, in the second leg. And he doesn't get a goal. He doesn't get an assist. But he, he was the man that Barca was keying on for the entire match. Because if you were to look at a goal threat, like who is our goal threat in, that, in the front three of Origi, yeah. Shakiri, and Mane? It's Mane. But he did so much work and opened up so much space. And, the other, and, and it really did create room for the other two to have, you know, really, really, you know, Telling contributions because obviously we know where that match led to, and then and then the last one for me is the moment at which I knew we were going to win the Premier League, which is the header against Villa in the ninety fourth minute. Yeah, head out. There's a boot in his face. It's possibly going to hurt, but he just willed us to win that match. And I and I really right. felt once we won that match, I was like, this team is not going to. This team's winning winning league this year. Was it, you know, did I expect that we were going to win the league in a cancer at that point? No, but I thought, I thought that we would. I thought that that was the moment at which we couldn't be denied. And, you know, there is so much more that the man did. I mean, another match that comes to mind as well also is the opening of the, uh, the new main stand against Leicester, where Mane completely terrorizes them and just opens up a ton of space for Coutinho, a ton of space for Bobby, and a ton of space for Lalana. And we... Absolutely wrecked him. And that was what the man was like. He was just the ability to create constant chaos and just make defenders look not only bad, but just unprepared and like they just didn't want to be playing. Just truly a legend. Love him. Wish him the best of luck at Bayern, except if he actually comes to Anfield or we play them at the Alpha. Yeah, those are all lovely moments. And, and I think that you're right, that in the fall of 2019, there were like so many moments when it seemed like Sadio Mane was trying to drag Liverpool to the title by himself and just like showing up at big, big times uh, and just seemed to always get it done. Uh, so, so Paul, what, what are your uh, favorite moments from Sadio? I kind of, I don't want to be like cliched about it, but I think like his goal against uh, Arsenal was that his debut game. And yes. um, it was just cutting in because uh, that season he played on the right hand side. That's before Salah had arrived, 
and he was playing on the right hand side. And just that that goal that he scored in that game was just like it was kind of announcing himself and kind of going, "Yeah, okay, I've played at Southampton. I'm now coming to Liverpool, and here's why Liverpool have bought me." Do you know what I mean? It was that kind of like I can do this stuff, um, and I can do it for one of the top clubs in the country. And I think you know Klopp talked about it. Jurgen has talked about it. Like without Mane, we wouldn't have had the Premier League. We wouldn't have the Champions League. He was the catalyst. He was like that kind of first signing. Was it with him and when Yaldum came that that summer? And it was kind of like the, the first signings that kind of signaled where Liverpool were going. Um, and you're kind of like, yeah. So, so that goal, that that debut goal against against Arsenal was just like it was phenomenal, and the celebration that goes along with it, you know, uh, running down Klopp, the whole heap, like that was brilliant. And then I think I was going to say about the Aston Villa goal as well, Justin, because that was such that like that was such a as you said, just he he caught that game by the scruff of the neck. What we were losing one nil with like was it five, four minutes to go, five minutes to go. And we turned that one right round, and Mane, as as Willology, stuck the photo up there. Just that, you know, that just sticking his head where he was going to get hurt to make sure that we were scoring that goal to win that game. Um, and 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 then the, the kind of third memory that I have, and again, it's 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 a it's a kind of it's a one that's been talked about loads. Is his goal against Bayern Munich in the Champions League, where all oh, that that ball that just comes into him and just his touch, his control to swivel, to shield the ball, and then just to, just to tuck it into the net. Um, it made what was a really complicated uh, finish look as if he was just scoring a tap in. And at times, I think that's what Mane did. He made those complicated things look so, so, so simple um, when they were anything but. Uh, and I think, you know, Bayern obviously will have looked at that and the possibility of Lewandowski going. And went. Here's a player who 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 knows, um, as we would say here, where the onion bag is. Knows how to put the ball in the back of the net. Um, and they will look at that and went. You know, there's there's an there's there's a great goal scorer who we can kind of, you know, bring into the Bayern Munich fold. But um, he was just like I just kind of, you know, as a player, he you can understand why he left because in a way he's he has won everything that that he kind of could win club-wise uh, at Liverpool um, and in a way it's kind of ticking the boxes and going yeah I've completed that I want to go and try a challenge so you kind of go yeah that's perfect you know gave us was it six good seasons um, and some really really top highlights of memories so yeah it's just an incredibly good player to, to kind of think back on the time that we've had with him yeah he's a phenomenally talented player um you know, I think for me, it's not like any moment that like stands out. It's more his consistency in the Champions League knockouts. Mm-hmm. Uh, at at one point, he had gone like two or three seasons like in a row and scored in every single knockout tie. And like to have that level of consistency is just abs- just what you need if you want to be at like the highest level. And I think mm-hmm. if I remember right, it's like only Kareem Benzema has more goals than Sadio Mane in the Champions League knockouts in the last five seasons. So, I mean, at whatever the like highest level when you need your best players to be on, Sadio Mane was always, always there. Yeah. Uh, so, Lubo, you want to uh, give us your thoughts on, on Sadio Mane? 
So you guys have hit on a lot of the uh, moments and, and the goals. And, and actually, Paul, I was going to uh, mention that uh, the Villa goal, uh, before he scored the winner, he actually assisted Robo for, for the yeah, game, right. for the goal that, that, that uh, drew us level. with a, And he was all the way over on the right side, which is, I have no idea what he was doing there. <laughs> but he was there and he pinged, uh, the, the cross was with his left foot over that yes. Robo was able to head in. Which is just uh, just highlights his talent. But to me, what I what I always enjoyed about Asadio is is his celebrations. So how, especially with that that trio with Bobby and and uh, and Mo and and even with Phil earlier, so, some of the early seasons, how how he they would always just he would copy celebrations. He would copy Bobby's celebrations. He would <laughs> he would just he yep. he was just such a, such a uh, you know uh, just a, a nice guy, and you can see the the joy. Uh, of, of scoring and 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 being a part of the part of the team, and I also I know a big deal was made uh, back uh, when it happened, but when he had that uh, anger outburst at at Mo, was it at Burnley or somewhere? Because I mean yeah. we we're winning three. I think it was like we we're winning three nil at the time, so it didn't really matter. And he was really mad because he thought that well Mo didn't really pass to him. And, and just the anger, and then sitting on the bench, and then my, and Bobby's just sitting next to him, and then late after the game, Bobby's expression, which became a meme. I mean, just all those moments. And of course, it was just, just watered under the bridge after that. They continued to play uh, and pass to each other and all of that. But but just those those moments that had nothing to do with, with goals, but just his, his personality that just came off in those yeah. moments. Uh, I, 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 it's something that I'm gonna miss. But um, as we said, I, I, he's he's won pretty much everything he could win at at, at Liverpool, and so I hope he has a great time in Bayern. Yeah, you know, yeah, it's, absolutely. It's kind of funny in that moment that you mentioned, uh, Lubo. It, it, it that gave uh, airtime to one of the dumbest na- prolonged narratives ever, which is that Bob, which is Mo and Ma- and Mane not liking each other. Um, yeah, and, I, and I, I'm really surprised that one saw the light of day for as long as it did because it's very obvious that they do like each other. Oh, absolutely! And you see what what came off uh, after this uh, last season after uh, Senegal won uh, Afcon and the fact that he asked the team not to not to celebrate, not to congratulate him uh, out of respect to to to, to Mo, mm-hmm. and, and after his move to Bayern was announced. The, what uh, Mo wrote and what Sadio wrote, and you you could see he. I mean, they played together for five seasons and had so many great moments. Uh, you, you you knew they liked each other. I mean, they were very competitive, and obviously they wanted to to score goals. But more than anything, they just wanted to win. Yeah, the, I mean, I was surprised that um, people were even trying to. Uh, dredge up that narrative as, as Sadio was leaving. And, and it, it never made any sense. And so, you know, you could, you could clearly see that there's a lot of mutual respect there for, um, between them. So uh, as we say goodbye yeah. to, to Sadio, um, we wish him the best of luck, except for when he plays Liverpool. Um, so looking at the, the other two that have um, departed so far this summer, uh, Lou, um, do you have any uh, parting words for, for Taki Minamino or 
Nico Williams. I mean, I, I'm I'm happy for him. I'm happy for I'm happy for both of them, uh, just because they they came in. Uh, I mean, Taki came in and he probably knew that he would be a a, a bit player. He uh, what he what he um, said to a, I think it was to a, a Japanese newspaper recently that was translated that uh, he maybe felt a little bit underappreciated uh, for his contributions, uh, but he came in and um, he had. Good games. It's in the Cubs, especially this year, and he he's leaving as a, a Premier League winner, FA Cup and League Cup winner, and especially for the last two competitions, he was uh, quite uh, instrumental. And you knew that even when he came in, that it was a bit of an opportunistic buy, maybe a bit of a depth uh, buy, uh, w- as the team was uh, um, really just had the front three uh, players. Uh, available in attack for the most uh, most uh, games and so you, you kind of knew that Taiki wouldn't be here long term for years but uh, he probably wishes he could have played more but given how much he played he had an impact and I, I wish him the best and, and same for Nico I, I, Nico is probably completing his medical today uh, as, as we speak and I hope he has a, a good career uh, at Forest or wherever else he, he may go um, it's it's actually a real um, Nico story is a really good uh, a testament to the to the academy, especially following following up on on um, footsteps of Harry Wilson last year. The fact that the academy can now produce players uh, who who can actually be sold for 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 good money to uh, Premier League clubs um, and uh, and can sustain the academy and hopefully there's more to follow. Um, but uh, wish wish him also the best, and uh, it'll be interesting. I'm actually glad that he's going to a Premier League team, so I can get to watch him a bit more. Yeah, it's like with Nico, it's him being so close in age to Trent really made it difficult uh, for him to you know get a foothold with the the first team, especially since Trent is just otherworldly in terms of his talent, and you know. It, it's, it's too bad it didn't work out at Liverpool, but he's going to have a great career uh, um, as it is. So, uh, Justin, uh, thoughts on uh, the departures of Taki and Nico? I, mean, I think it's, it's two, it's two um, sales, which I think we've actually done well with as far as the fees that we've gotten for them, if reported. Because, I, mean, I mean, obviously they both represent a decent amount of profit, right, considering the fact that you bought them you know, for £7 million pounds and... Nico is an academy player, but I think it's really—I think they're really good moves for the two players because you know Nico when showed at the championship at Fulham last year is that he's definitely a guy who I mean, he showed for Wales is that he can definitely play. Uh, so you know, give yourself a chance to actually establish yourself as a Premier League player, which I don't think would have come at Um He just you know he might just not be that level of player, but he might really be a Premier League player. And getting the chance to show that, um, I think, is you know, I think it's. It's a good move for him, and Taki is a guy who actually should be playing minutes. I think playing it for Monaco um, is going to give him a chance to get, you know, the, the minutes he needs in a team that's always going to be reasonably competitive within the French League. And I think that that's good for him, because he's going to want to be really firing going into the World Cup, considering he's probably Japan's best player at the moment. So if you're the, you know, if you're the best player from your country, you want to really be, uh, you know, Firing in all cylinders for a World Cup, and I think it's good for him that he's going to get the playing time. Um, 
I, you know, the Leicester game this season in the League Cup was one of my favorite games of the season. And, you know, Taki really took that one over and really helped us. So, clutch goal. Um, would have been cruel if we had actually lost on penalties and been missing, but thankfully we didn't. Uh, but, you know, this seems like a really good guy. He gave, he gave his all. And he had a really good goal return for the amount of minutes he played. So, you know, all in all, I'm, uh, I'm, I'm a fan of what he's done, and I, uh, I appreciate his time at the yeah, like you said, it's a it's a good move for both players, and I think that uh, Monaco is qualified for the Champions League, so Taki uh, will be um, able to get some minutes there again, and uh, we might even see him um, at Anfield if Liverpool get drawn with Monaco at some point. Um, so, Paul, uh, your thoughts on Taki and Nico? I think this season um, probably it hadn't been for for you know. Uh, both being involved and and, and Taki being involved, essentially with the quadruple wouldn't have been on <laughs> if it wasn't for having them about uh, and having them around. And, and as Justin said there about the Leicester game, you know that was kind of a pinnacle game for Taki Minamino. But at the same time, uh, you get the feeling that behind the scenes, the contribution that that he made to the squad, the overall squad, um. Was kind of really important to them, even though he didn't get to play a lot of game time, which is just unfortunate because you know when when you're you know you're a good footballer at a, at a top club, you have to be world class to get the number of minutes that 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 you you know to to, to kind of push you on to the next level. When you when you're behind Sadio Mane, Bobby Firmino, Jota, um, and Mo Salah. And then with Diaz coming in, you just knew that Taki, while being a really, really, really good player, just wasn't going to get the minutes that he needed. Um, but, you know, I think as been said, kind of an opportunistic signing because we knew that at the money we paid for him, $7 million, if it didn't work out, we would probably be able to recoup that fee and some, um, which is which is obviously what we've done. We've essentially doubled the money on that. And, like, I, I'm not one of these people who kind of goes, we should be a club that just makes opportunistic signings that we can flip players because, you know, I'm kind of of the mindset that there is a person involved in that. It's not just a, a commodity that you can flip quickly and never worry about who that is so I think there's an element of we tried um, obviously to, to, to get Tacky involved and even I think his loan to Southampton was done with that kind of thought process of you know, let's get him accustomed and acclimatised and get him minutes in a Premier League club so that we can bring him back and play him more Unfortunately, it didn't work out like that. And I think the move to Monaco will probably be a move that, as Justin has said, in a World Cup year, as as essentially his country's best player, is a move that makes sense for all parties because we get we get money for it. He gets game time. Monaco get a good player. He'll still be involved in Champions League and they'll give himself a great chance for the World Cup. So I think that's a, I think that's a really, really good move. But I also think he has been integral to, especially cup runs and stuff that we've done this season. And even in past seasons, he's, you know, he's had good games and played good stuff for us. So he's been brilliant that way. Just unfortunate that when you're behind the, the forwards that we have, unless there's major injuries, you're probably never going to get that game time that you would really need you know, to, to, to kick on and push forward. Nico Williams, I think, is just a, a really bright talent. It's just, you know, again, same kind of scenario. You're behind Trent Alexander-Arnold. 
and Mo Salah, who then plays further up the pitch. You've got Harvey Elliott coming in at the right side of number eight. You've got Hendo. You've got you know all these. Just finding a place for for Nico Williams to fit in our team was never really going to be that easy. And I think probably once he realised that and went out to Fulham on loan and had a really good season there. And I've watched him play for Wales internationally. He plays really really well. Um, so as a player, he's superb, and it's just like. Again, unfortunately, there isn't the opportunities at Liverpool. But when you're playing at you know one of the top clubs in the world, you really, 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 really need to be top of your game to be to be to be forcing players like Trent Alexander Arnold out of out of out of game time. And unless Trent was injured, that probably wasn't going to happen. So it's again, it's a wise move. It's a move that makes the club money, and like it's a it's a it's a move that that in um, that shows like good. Uh, financial acumen to kind of get the price that we have for him, and I think Forest is going to be a really good club for him to play at. Um, so, yeah, um, both both have been you know real good uh, players for the club without probably pulling up any trees. Um, and at this point in their careers, really good moves, and we wish them all the best and hope that they have you know a great career and push on from here, um, and hope that they never come back to sting us in any games. You know, it's actually, Paul, you bring up that Forrest is a good location for him. He gets reunited yeah. with, with Steve Cooper, a guy who probably has managed him at some point. Totally, totally, without a doubt. I was, yeah, I was thinking that earlier. Um, you're exactly right, Justin. Right, and uh, Hockey and, and Nico are the, are the type of players that you need if you're going to... Um, you're going to commit on all four fronts like Liverpool want to do. Uh, and so as we're looking ahead to who's going to be with us next season, um, we'll look to the, the who we've signed. And um, now as, as we uh, go forward in the podcast. So uh, Justin, uh, what excites you most about the arrival of Darwin Nunez? Just the amount of different ways that he could hurt you that we haven't had a forward do in a while. Um, we haven't had a guy who profiles as an out-and-out number nine probably since Sturridge. I mean, Divock Origi, I guess, is a number nine, but it's a very different kind of number nine. It's a very different level of player. But Darwin Nunez is really going to be the first kind of out-and-out number nine we're going to have since Daniel Sturridge. And he's probably going to be the most stylistically like Fernando Torres player we've had since Fernando Torres. And We've seen clock teams in, you know, in Germany play really, really well, continue that, that devastating pressing style with the number nine. I mean, obviously, the, the name that comes to mind there is Robert Lewandowski. So I think it's the possibility of just seeing a different way of attacking where maybe we don't, you know, where we don't have a, a false nine dropping in and Bobby doing as much of the you know, work to connect. Now, it's going to be interesting to see how we progress the ball from midfield to the forwards, and I think that's something that I think, you know, might change a bit this season, but I'm just really excited to see a guy who can get on the end of things. And I think he'll also create chaos in the box, which is something that we haven't taken enough advantage of, considering how good we have a, a you know delivery in our team between Thomas Samikas, Andrew Robertson, Trent Alexander-Arnold. That I think that there's going to be a lot of you know scope for goals that are going to come from just from him occupying space and defenders having to worry about him rather than you know. Bobby or or Mane, which you know, not to insult them, but it's just a very different proposition. A lot less uh, of the of the kind of orthodox number nine that you know defenders were, are going to have fits with. 
Yeah, I think like you're saying, the his skill set looks different than the other guys that we have, and so it's going to give um, Klopp a lot of different ways in which he can approach the attack. Should he want to change things, whether that's you know uh, different variations within that four-three-three, or you know as is often talked about, uh, an evolution to a four-two-three-one. Um, so, Lubo, what what excites you most about uh, Darwin Nunez? So I don't really watch much of the Portuguese uh, league, unfortunately. Uh, there's about three. I have enough time for about three leagues, and that's usually Premier League, Bundesliga, and um, La Liga. And so all the other leagues just have to suffer, quote unquote. Mm-hmm. So I've I've mostly just seen him. Uh, the, obviously, the two games against Liverpool, and I did also see their two games against. Uh, Ajax, I believe it was, uh, when, when he scored that goal in uh, a, a, a way to put, put them through. And, and he's, he's impressive. I mean, he's definitely impressive. In fact, I, I, um, I remember especially that second goal, uh, second game at, at Anfield when he kept scoring those goals. And I, I think one was offside, at least. And I, I kept thinking, like, I, is he really that good or is he just lucky? <laughs> and I think he's actually quite good uh, because uh, just the, the, the positions he was taking, the shots he was taking, he really showcased the talent. And now you're, you're reading uh, players, uh, I forget who was it, was it Robbo who spoke recently? Uh, but, but there were one or two players who spoke recently about just the impact and, and the impression that he had made on them uh, during those two games. And... and and so I, I, I'm really, I'm really looking forward to to, to having him. I had um, uh, I had posted a, a while back, uh, a month a month ago, that probably he's uh, after uh, Mbappe and Haaland, he's he's probably the, the the best young striker in 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 world football right now. And I w- I think that there's a, an argument could be made that he's he's pretty close to to Haaland in terms of just overall talent and contributions that he can make. So it actually will be really interesting to see how he does at Liverpool versus how Holland does at um, at Manchester City. We may end up having our own um, kind of two young strikers coming at the same time in the league and trying to outdo each other uh, as as the two teams are competing for titles and trophies. So I, I, I'm excited. I, I, I'm definitely excited for him. Um, I I, ha- I don't know how he's going to play. I think uh, Justin touched on this. Paul touched on this. Uh, he he's definitely going to add another dimension, maybe more chaos in the box. Uh, but I, I'm just I have no expectations. I, I have no idea how he'll play. I have no idea how how much he'll play. But I'm just curious to see him, and we're unlikely to see him on Tuesday at all. But maybe against Palace, and then in the in the preseason, but especially when the regular season starts. I'm definitely um, going in with really no expectations of him, just really looking forward to seeing how he does, how he acclimates and how he does. Yeah, I think that's a, a good approach. Um, so, you know, a couple of the interviews that, that Gags did around the time of the signing, uh, the the view from Uruguay and the view from a, a Benfica fan really seemed like um, it might take him a little bit of time to adjust to the league and get used to how things are going. Uh, and, you know, he might have had a little bit of a slow start uh, in Benfica uh, in particular. So uh, it, it's going to be one to patient and make sure that, you know, allow him to the time to acclimate to the to the team, to the league and all of that. And, you know, it really looks like 
he will come good in the end, even if he's not like hitting the ground running like some other uh, signings have. So, Paul, uh, thoughts on Darwin Nunez? Like, like Noble, uh, I haven't watched a whole heap of them. It was just essentially that the, those Champions League games. But my goodness, in those games, uh, like as again, Noble, as you said, you know, was he incredibly lucky, unlucky with offside decisions, or was he just taking like, you know really good positions? And our offside trap was just really good for him. But he just looked like he had this natural prowess about him that that maybe has been a ever so slight criticism of our strike force is that um, our front three and with the addition of, of, of Jota and Diaz make incredible runs and make incredible forward play and do score incredible goals it's not it's not that we didn't score enough goals but I think one of the criticisms was that maybe in those big games we think of the finals I think the Champions League final and whatnot, um, we were maybe just lacking someone who was a complete out and out goal scorer and that's not to say that Mo and Sadio and uh, Jota and Diaz and Bobby couldn't score goals. That's not that criticism, but it's just maybe that someone who has that extra little, uh, Justin, you said it, that Daniel Sturridge, that Fernando Torres, that number nine mindset who will get on the end of a cross, who will get on the end of a flick, who will get on the end and take up and occupy a space that maybe some of those wide forwards coming inside won't do. And you're kind of looking at it going, yeah, there's, there's a real sense of anticipation and excitement, but you want to temper that and go, he's still young, coming into a new system, playing for a, a different manager and, a, and, a, and no disrespect to Benfica, stepping up a level or two in terms of league uh, and just size of club and you're kind of going let's temper our expectations but at the same time let's be completely excited because it looks as if we've signed someone who gives us you know one or two extra dimensions to our play um, and you know we've heard so much about different formations 4-3-3 4-2-3-1 which is always talked about and never really happens um, and I'm more thinking of that 4-2-4 that we've seen happen in, in different occasions when, uh, you know, Naby has nearly been pushed on as the additional uh, forward through the middle. We've now got another option for just kind of how that's going to work. Um, and you can bring Bobby into the mix with that and still be able to keep, you know, Mo on one side, Luis Diaz on the other side or Diego Jota. And, and then you've got Nunes coming through as well. So, you know, we've given ourselves a heap, a heap of different options in how we play. And I think Actually, it wasn't the Champions League games against us. He played kind of more coming off the left and cutting in, um, and scored his goals kind of coming off the left side like that. So it just kind of gives us, you know, we love our play. We're, we're Trent or dare I say it, Jordan Henderson with his crosses from right to left. Um, that's kind of something that we work on. So if we have Nunes coming off that left-hand side as well, that left side nine coming through, then we could, you know, we could be looking at that and going, this is this is a tactic that we can utilise with them. So I'm very excited for, for, for what he's going to, to bring. But as you said, Matt, let's, you know, we don't want to put pressure um, and kind of think, oh, he's going to be the answer to a certain question that, that, you know, let's see how he develops, but we've we've got the potential there, um, and hopefully something to 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 grow upon with that. Yeah, it, it. He's a very big talent that looks like he could, yeah. you know, power the next iteration of of Klopp's attack, and it's just very exciting mm-hmm. that he's coming in, and he chose to to come to Liverpool over Manchester United, and like, just really happy that that he's decided to to join up. Um. So let, let's stick with you, Paul, and, and talk about um, 
our other young signing, uh, Calvin Ramsey. So where do you see him fitting in? Well, like I think as I've, I've, I've said before to you guys, and uh, maybe said on the last podcast, I know that there were a heck of a lot of there were a heck of a lot of clubs interested in him. Um, at a stage, Aberdeen thought Leeds were going to be the club that would take him, um, but I also know that there was like twenty plus um, clubs were looking at him. So we know that he is, you know, in terms of potential and as a player that that has been that has been picked up by a lot of scouts across across the country. He is someone who. Definitely, um, people have been interested in clubs have been interested in. I think uh, Sam McGuire did a really good article um, on on him and his kind of style, and he's very, you know, he's very different, maybe to 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 a lot of right backs, which I guess essentially is what what Trent is as well, very different than the conventional form, um, and so that's something that's that's pretty attractive to us this season, obviously. You know, you don't, you don't. I don't expect him to get much game time. It'll obviously be, you would assume, cup games under twenty three. You know, under twenty one matches, whatever it is this season. You know, that's where he's going to feature most. He'll be in and around the squad, maybe the odd time in a match day squad. I think with the with the renewal of 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 Millie's contract, dare I say it, you still have some cover at right and left back. You know, with that, so you're not necessarily throwing him straight in in big games as as a squad player if he's not quite ready for it. You also have Joe Gomez who's just signed his contract. So I think for 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 Calvin Ramsey, there's no pressure um to be like completely hitting the ground run um one signed for the future. But at the same time, you kind of you kind of look and go, you know what? He probably he might end up getting more minutes than than some of us expect. So I think definitely. Um, it's a really astute signing and a shrewd piece of business, especially for the money that we picked them up. As I as I was told previously, Aberdeen were expecting to get ten million for him, so the kind of money that we've that we've that we've got him for is 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 really you know it's it's a really good bit of business. I'm excited to see what happens there. Yeah, it'll, it'll be interesting to see how he gets integrated, and and like you said, there's there's no pressure. He can just come in and get used to the system, develop, um, get get more ready and used to that like big step up from from the Scottish League to the Premier League and maybe get some minutes yeah. in, in some of the cup competitions and get rotated in um, uh, next few months. Uh, so, uh, Justin, uh, any thoughts on, on Calvin Ramsey? I mean, there's, there's not much that I can say that Paul didn't because I, I don't watch the Scottish League, so I haven't seen him play. I read the same article that Sam, that Sam wrote, which I, I very much enjoyed, and it got me excited about him as a player. But um, he, he's an 18-year-old right back in, in a manager who is, you know, at the same time as he's very encouraging of youth players, he also makes sure that you get a lot of time to absorb the system before you actually play. So my thoughts yeah. for him are basically that he's going to play at you know, when it suits us, but that might not be in the first half of the season, right? That might be that he just gets some minutes at the ends of games in the league or in the Champions League in, you know, probably maybe like starting in November or so. Now, there's the other, because there's the other thing that, you know, and I think we're going to touch on this, is Joe Gomez has just signed a new contract. He's obviously going to want to play, and he's actually probably right now, you know, as currently constituted, our most known quantity of the so mm-hmm. I feel like he's going to get a lot of time until Klopp, you know, 
really determines that he's ready to proceed with Ramsey. But he's also, you know, Calvin Ramsey's only 18, so that might take some time. And if it does, that's fine. You know, he's a young player. We didn't sign him, you know, for the next six months. We signed him for the next six years. Yep. Yeah, absolutely. And like, like you're saying, there's lots going to be lots of opportunity for him to get like bits and pieces of experience uh, with like there's five subs. The schedule is really packed. So it's just a, a good situation for him to enter and, and develop as an 18 year old. Um, and so, so that all looks really good. Uh, and, and Lubo, any thoughts you want to add? Just, just one thing that Klopp said uh, today, or was it yesterday, about uh, about him missing the, the the tour, missing the trip to Asia. Apparently, they discovered something on in, in his medical, not even his medical, when he came to tra- to uh, training. Um, and so there, there's, or as you can imagine, panic on on Twitter. Uh, uh, what he's injured, uh, he, he's a bust, and, and and it doesn't. It sounds like the, from what Klopp said that. Maybe they discovered some some weakness or some imbalance, and they're working with, with him. Um, the coaching staff, the medical staff, are working with him to address it now, so it doesn't lead to any long term um, issues. Which is the right approach, but it could also mean that he's going to be delayed in the preseason, and it could take him a while to to really uh, join proper first training and to to really uh, you know get minutes. Um, which which is fine because as Justin said, he's here for for the next uh, six years, maybe even more, not for the uh, the next uh, six months. Uh, but I'm I'm very curious to 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 see him and to have another Scottish player. He, he, basically, he needs Scottish players on the roster to win titles. I think that is the law of the Premier League, <laughs> uh, at least when it comes to Liverpool. So having two of them is is even better. Uh, just like with uh, with. Uh, uh, with a lot of young players, also a lot of academy players, we'll just see when he gets minutes and how he looks, and uh, he's definitely one for the future. Yeah, it'll be six years. Uh, so let's let's here a little bit, and I'll stick with you, Lubo. Um, uh, Mo Salah has signed his contract, new contract, uh, and I want to ask you, um, what do you think that means? for um, Liverpool that he's decided to commit his final peak years to the club? It's only good news, right? Uh, I, I think you want to keep y- your best players. Um, and, and Mo Salah is definitely someone that, I mean, I've been very bullish for the last year that he would sign, uh, he mm-hmm. would sign a new contract. Uh, I think everybody knew that it wouldn't be a standard contract. It would be, it's probably one of the most complicated contracts that uh, Liverpool uh, football club has given out to to anyone, and definitely it's, it's, it is the most expensive uh, contract Liverpool has has given out. But I, I think it's 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 it, it was needed. It's very difficult to find a, a profile, not just another Mo Salah, but just another player who profiles who could uh, help balance the team the way he does. And it it was clear that he's wanted to stay. Uh, Klopp also spoke about uh, about that recently. And um, even while the negotiations were happening, uh, Mo Salah would always say to Klopp, I want to stay, I want to stay. So when you have a, a star player who, who's breaking all sorts of records and who wants to stay and play for the club, you just have to make it happen. And I'm not going to go into a discussion of, of the wage structure and what this means and what this means for the future of, of new contracts for other players. What it means to me is that one of the best players in the world is 
going to be a Liverpool player for at least three seasons. There are some talks that there may be even a, an option for another year based on uh, various uh, appearances or, or whatever. So if that means that we get to enjoy Mo Salah for another three or four uh, years and maybe even more, uh, that, that's great. Everything else, the, the money, the, the impact on the uh, wage structure, uh, all of that is just it's for the accountants to figure out. As a fan, I'm just, I'm just really happy I'll get to continue to watch of the Egyptian king. Yeah, absolutely. I think it's really cool that Liverpool have a player on their roster that can like challenge for like all time records, right? Like he's going to stick around for like the next three years and he could get to like at least, you know, second, third all time goal scorer in, in, mm-hmm. in the history of the club. And that that's really awesome. Um, so, so Justin, your thoughts on, on Mo Salah extending his contract? I, I fail to see how it could be anything except for just a giant positive. Um, like we just said, you want to keep your best players. Plus also, I think that he really means a lot to the city of Liverpool as well. Um, and, you know, a guy who's just had a mural painted uh, on, on the way that the bus passes to go to Anfield for the players bus passes to go to Anfield for games is obviously a man who is, you know, an icon. And, you know, you want to, you want, you want those guys to stay. You want to, I think it really helps build the connection to the club uh, amongst the borders that we are going to start to see things hopefully where, you know, if we have a really great player, we're keeping them for the entire part of their prime. And we get to build up, you know, those modern day legends so that, you know, there, there's, you know, not just talking about Liverpool's history and we're not talking just about like Kenny or Rush or Gerard, but we're talking about players who are living legends wearing the shirt now who are going to continue to do, you know, to, to break records and do things in a Liverpool shirt. And Mo is, you know, he, he's, you know, it, it's so easy to, to see all those things happening because, you know, we all know the, uh, the best moniker when you're comparing him to anybody else in the Premier League, only Salah. Right. And like, it, he's just unbelievable in terms of his talent. And it's, it's so great that- retain that type of talent and it, it can do nothing but help when you're recruiting sort of that next group when you can say you know look at what has done you're going to develop this attachment to the city to the fans and that's just going to be the thing that you know drives your career you're going to win trophies and it just seems like it's all like pointing in the right direction um, so, so your, your thoughts on them? Yeah, I think weirdly, I would say that in our system, Mane was probably the easier one of the two to replace just because of the players, you know, that were available on the market currently. And um, so the likes of Diaz, you replace Mane, the left forward. The likes of Nunes, you can replace Mane, the number nine. I think with Salah, just across the profile of Europe, European football, there isn't anyone who you could replace. So uh, replace him with, and it was going to be a massive challenge. So I think from tactically, um, from a team standpoint, then it you know it's a really great signing for us because we don't need to make dramatic tactical changes based on the fact that, you know, he had left, if you know what I mean. Mane, we have players who can slot in and play that, you know, that role that he's been playing. But if Salah had left and Mane had stayed, you're kind of going, right, well, you know, who plays where? How do we set up? Where do we go? I, I just think generally from that side of things, it's um, 
it, it's massive that that we had signed. Again, like like Lugo, I was one of these people who wasn't that worried because I honestly thought that, that you know, I honestly thought that he was going to renew his contract. I'd said it maybe last summer. I definitely said it in January that I had no worries. I I thought it was going to be more of an optics thing. I thought it was going to be more a case of there's other things going on behind the scenes that will happen that will come to light and then we'll announce Mo um, and that'll be like a feel-good factor. Um, what maybe a lot of us didn't realise was that Mane was going to go to Bayern Munich. That was going to be the kind of piece of news that would break. And I also think the club handled it incredibly respectfully where they let that sit. They let people come to terms with that. They celebrated Mane, the player who had played at Liverpool, who had won all the trophies, let that sit for a week. And then the news about Salah starts to break and we do a really nice um, contact contract extension renewal uh, video and, and, and everything that kind of breaks that way. And I thought the club handled it really, really good. Um, and it's it's only a positive, like it's been said before, it is only a positive that Mo Salah has, has renewed for us. Um, probably doesn't get enough credit across the rest of the Premier League for how good a player he is. Um, but I think Liverpool fans just absolutely adore the man um, and what he brings to the club. And it's just it's just phenomenal that we, that we've got him signed for another three seasons. And it'll probably you know it'll probably allow us to transition someone like Kyle Gordon or, or find the next kind of player who'll fit the profile that Klopp or Pep Lenders or whoever wants to kind of come through and play in, in, in our attack. You know, we're starting to build this, the next iteration and generation of, of Liverpool forward and Liverpool attacking um, and having more around for the next three seasons minimum um, is only is only a good thing for that. Yeah, it's a very integral piece for continuity from, you know, the, the previous generation to the next generation. Um, yep. So I think that's a that's a good uh, point to start looking ahead uh, to the rest of the summer. Um, so preseason has started. Liverpool flew to Thailand today, and I think they they have their first game there on on Tuesday or Wednesday this week. Um, uh, we're also expecting some players to, to be departing either on loan or be sold, uh, as well as um, I think we're still anticipating some additional contract extensions. So. Um, uh, Justin, at, at this point in time, uh, do you think Liverpool need any additional signings? I don't think that we need any additional signings for this season per se. I wouldn't say no to them, but I do think that there's probably enough of a squad and enough of the squad quality to uh, to compete in both the Champions League and the Premier League. Um, you know because. I, you know, I, I don't. I don't want to touch the third rail that is talking about Liverpool's midfield, but I just think we have enough midfielders, and I think the uh, the important thing is like obviously we're we're you know, talking about Bellingham for next season. I'd all, I'd love to bring him in for this season, but if we have to wait an extra season for that player and that's who we want, I'd rather we just do that because typically waiting for who we've wanted when it's a real special transformational player has worked for us, and I would rather you know I I. I I'd rather obviously have it done earlier, but the suit, you know, I, I would just love to complete, complete that particular transfer. Um, when it happens is, you know, the part that we have no control over. Yeah, I think, I think that's right. Um, you know, it, it could be, you know, this summer, summer, it could 
be one of those things where it's like they do a deal ahead of time. But, you know, that's sort of not in our control. Uh, and I, I agree with you that, like, the need for another signing is, like, not really there. Like, Liverpool have 21 senior players or one players that will be part of the squad. So, like, that's, that's a big enough group to get you to, you know, compete on all fronts. And, you know, if if Alex Oxlade-Chamberlain decides to go, then that need for another player becomes greater. Um, but only if he decides to go. Uh, so, uh, Lubo, uh, do you think Liverpool need any additional signings? So, uh, I mean, if, if you have uh, been on Discord and, and uh, seen my opinions there, anfieldindex.com uh, slash Discord, you know that I've I've been of the opinion like Justin is that for this coming season there's enough players. Uh, obviously, this season, this summer was about renewing the attack uh, with uh, uh, bringing in Ramsey and uh, signing Joe Gomez to a new contract. It has been about stabilizing the defense for the next several years, and, and so the, the midfield. It, there's eight midfielders. Fabio could play there as well. Uh, so there's a there's a lot of bodies, as as Justin said. For the, the the plan for the midfield is really the next two to three seasons because you have Milner, because you have Henderson, because you have uh, Thiago all in their thirties, um, and then even uh, uh, Fab I think is going to turn uh, thirty uh, pretty pretty soon. So there are some really important players who will have to be replaced. Uh, I mean, there's hoping that maybe someone from the academy can come up in the next year or two. There's a lot of hope for uh, uh, Stefan uh, Basedic, uh, but he's only 17. Balagizi also could be a talent. He's only 18. So there will need to be uh, high, high talent players coming in. um, I just don't know. I don't think we necessarily need a new addition for this coming season. Uh, there's enough bodies, as Justin said, but it's it's looking ahead for the next two to three seasons. And if if the best time to bring someone in is this summer, great. If it means waiting until next summer, also great. Uh, but um, Liverpool definitely have a plan, and and because of the the types of players you're going to be looking to replace, like Thiago, like Henderson, you, you don't want to bring in players who are just going to be your number eighth, number ninth midfielder. You really want to bring midfielders who can be, maybe not immediately, but in a couple of seasons, who can be your frontline starters. You want that high ta- high-end talent players. Um, and so if it means that you then want to wait a year or two years even for some of these players to become available and then bring them in, that, that makes the most sense. Uh, that just makes the most sense to me. So it's been a fun summer. I imagine from now on it's mostly going to be uh, uh, outgoings and then monitoring the market, right? And see if one of those targets becomes available this, this summer. But if it doesn't, there's always next summer. Yeah, and, and like you're saying, it's like Liverpool have a lot of good players. And so they don't need to be in a hurry to get a deal done just to get a deal done. Um, and so they can just sort of wait to make sure that they get the right player in because it's all about that long-term planning. Uh, so, Paul, your your thoughts on whether or not an, another signing is needed? I think you guys have covered it. Honestly, I don't think I don't think we need another signing. I don't think there's a massive, massive 
you know gap that needs filled? Is there a position that probably that that could possibly need upgraded? I don't think there's an argument against saying that in the midfield we probably should be looking for you know the the next replacements for for certain players. But at the same time, we're not in that panic um, where we need to get someone in. So if Jude Bellingham happens. This summer, next summer, whatever, it's great. I also think, you know, there's still January transfer window as well. So if something needs reassessed, we still have midway through the season, we have that opportunity to um, kind of look at that side of things. Um, so I don't think there's any massive, I don't think there's any massive um, need to kind of be pushing for someone. That being said, an opportunity arises for a player that we want, then. We can go for him, um, and that that would be that would be awesome. Um, but no, do I think we need someone? Do you think we need someone straight away? Definitely not. Um, but I'll be looking forward to seeing seeing what happens. <laughs> yeah, um, it's you know a, a very good place to be in with with uh, Liverpool's roster. Just it's always nice to be at the top. Uh, so let's yep. um, let's move uh, to to our final. Uh, thoughts and, and wrap things up. Um, so, uh, Justin, thanks for joining us today. Do you have anything that you would like to plug or any final thoughts? Um, I mean, as far as plugs goes, uh, the beginning of the season is coming, and I think you know, I, I would just encourage people. It's a great way to a great way to meet other Reds in your area. Um, look at look up your local supporters club, and uh, you know, go watch a game with them because you know this. You know, a lot of this is about community, right? We, 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 you know, we're, we're all we all go into the Discord and shout at each other all day because you know we generally actually like interacting with each other. So, you know, I'm gonna say, you know, go find other Reds and watch matches with them. It's a, it's a really good way to uh, make friends. Yeah, good. Uh, that that's a good that's a good uh, good point there. Is to, to look up your local supporters club and, and go talk to other fans in person. It's always always a good experience. Um, uh, so Lubo. Do you have any final thoughts or plugs? I don't have plugs. Uh, well, if you're listening to this uh, podcast, keep keep listening. Uh, if uh, you also um, listen to Anfield Index podcasts, uh, maybe there's a podcast that you haven't listened to before. There's a lot of a lot of really good ones. Just give give some of those uh, podcasts that maybe you haven't listened to before. Give them a try. There's a lot of opinions. There's a lot of really good people um, contributing. So uh, I'll just uh, keep plugging that. And then I'll, I also uh, I'll just say, just enjoy the games. We've got a few games coming up. Man United next, uh, then Palace, then the preseason, and then Community Shield. I, I, I honestly, my, my focus is very much shifting from uh, thinking about transfers and reading about transfers to, to just watching games and, uh, and just seeing how players do and just thinking about the, the season that's, that's uh, going to be upon us in literally, you know, two to three weeks with the community shield. So just enjoy the football. I would say focus more on the football and less on the transfers. Yeah. I think you're saying there, Matt, have any, any closing thoughts? I would say my, yes. my, closing, my closing thought just around this is exactly what Lubos just said there. The summer is a time to kind of relax, enjoy, and as much as it's a chance for players to recharge the batteries and get themselves ready for the next season, I think it's also a good chance for supporters to kind of calm down after the season that's just been, uh, regroup ourselves after missing out on the Champions League and, and on the league, um, and get ready to like be fully behind the, the the team and the club going into the new season. It's going to be 
bit of a mental one. Probably by the time we come to record again, I would say we'll have played the Community Shield and we might even be be end end of the start of the season. So, um, yeah, just like take the take these next couple of weeks just to kind of recharge the batteries. Don't worry about you know who may or may not transfer and sign and who's going here and who's going there. Uh, I would say the big thing is the club always have a plan. This this management team, this coaching structure always have a plan. The recruitment team, they know what they're doing. Even under Gillian Ward, a change of a change of 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 of, of tact there and a change of personnel there has not made any difference in terms of the club has a plan. We know what we're doing. We just have to stay relaxed and keep following that and keep believing in what they're doing. Um, so yeah, just enjoy the summer. Um, and if you are listening to this and you've followed on Twitter or you've kind of, you know, caught someone sent you a link to a, to a free podcast, by all means, bounce on the anfieldindex.com, buy, buy a subscription, jump on the Discord. You know, you're guaranteed to be entertained in some shape or fashion, whether it's an argument or a funny story or something. It's a great community on there um, and it's definitely worth uh worth the, the small amount of money that it costs to join Anfield Index as a pro member. Yeah, that's a that's a good place to, to come to a close. As far as the schedule for, for this podcast, I think we're going to try to come to you again in about three weeks to do a season preview. Uh, so hopefully we'll be talking to you again then. Uh, thanks for listening. And until we do talk to you at that, uh, at that point, uh, up the Reds. We hope you enjoyed listening to this Anfield Index show. Please be sure to subscribe to our channel so future podcasts find their way to your device automatically. There's nothing quite like fan engagement, and we'd love to know what you think of anything discussed on this show. The best way to get in touch is over on our free Discord community, where both podcasters and listeners debate the hottest LFC topics 24-7. Sign up free now at anfieldindex.com forward slash discord. You won't regret it. You can also follow us on Twitter at Anfield Index and find us on Facebook by searching for Anfield Index. Oh, and before you go, we'd love it if you could leave us a five-star review on your favourite podcast app. It only takes a couple of seconds and it means the world to the people who create these free shows. Sports Social Podcast Network.